Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast, member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Stop me if you've heard this one. COVID-19 has disrupted just about everything in our lives and just about every business vertical across the board. However, no industry has experienced cataclysmic change quite on the level as the healthcare industry. Remote doctor's visits went from niche offering to table stakes literally overnight, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. However, our guest today is leading change in a healthcare that began long before the pandemic. Brian Deppa, CMO of LifeBridge Health, has been on a mission to bring innovation to the healthcare industry for years. He discussed the reasons for disruption that go beyond the pandemic, offered tips marketers could learn from the healthcare industry, and shared the incredible story behind his passion to bring high-quality healthcare to everyone. Let's start the show. All right, everyone, we are back in the virtual podcast studio for the ANA Marketing Futures podcast. Today, I am lucky to be joined by Brian Deffa, CMO of LifeBridge Health. Brian, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to chat with us at the podcast. You are very welcome. Very glad to be here. Likewise, likewise, likewise. Uh, so before we begin, um, because we're talking about a really important, can't even put a fine point on it, uh, but a really crucial topic today. But before we get in, I'll always like to set a baseline with our listeners. Brian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to become the CMO of LifeBridge Health? Yeah, no, thanks, Michael. Um, my journey really is a classically trained marketer. So I, I cut my teeth in the automotive world and brand marketing and product development. Uh, I spent some time in retail with Target and Best Buy. Uh, time in consumer finance with Capital One um, and SunTrust Bank. But what really led me to LifeBridge Health was kind of my own personal experience. So we have four kids, and the oldest of which is 17. And when Will, our 17-year-old, was born, even before he was born, he was diagnosed with a critical heart defect, uh, one that was, you know, potentially pretty severe. The long of short of it is when we engaged with some of our healthcare professionals in Los Angeles where we were living at the time, the experience we had was less than optimal. They were not terribly supportive, not um, offering a lot of solutions, hope or guidance um, to us as parents and you know, at a larger setting as consumers and didn't direct us to the care that we were seeking for our son. We took it upon ourselves to do our own research um, and we reached out to organizations, luckily here in the US and Boston, that were doing research um, for my son's particular heart condition, critical aortic stenosis. And they were the ones that led us through the process, gave us a sense of hope. We we're clear-eyed about you know, the prognosis for our son um, and, and what he might have to go through, but they were always there, always willing to answer our questions uh, and really understood us both as patients, as parents, and just as human beings. And that was the experience that really led me to take um, a strong, hard look at putting whatever skill I have as a marketer into the field of healthcare. And thus how I became CMO of LifeBridge Health. That's an incredible story. I mean, the 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 strength of that mission um, is just incredibly inspiring, and it kind of leads us uh, to the the first question that I really want to ask because it almost felt like a, a before and after of the general picture of the industry. Um, your two different 
experiences. And I know that they, they happen pretty closely together, but I'm just talking more of the norms. Um, and so right now the healthcare industry is undergoing major changes and we're not just talking uh, because of COVID-19. This is, goes way beyond telehealth. Where is the focus shifting in your industry and why? Uh, it's a, a perfect question, Michael. Uh, there are so many facets of healthcare as an industry, as a business, uh, as an occupation that are changing. Um, I find it, having come from the outside, a little astounding. But generally, you know, to simplify matters, the transfer of information, the availability of information on a whole variety of things, not just clinical states, not just disease states, but pricing, um, physician ratings, crowdsource ratings, all the information that a consumer would want, that, you know, heretofore was kind of bottled up in inside health organizations in a variety of different systems. Now all that information is getting aggregated and getting put in the lap at the fingertips of the consumer. So the general information shift from big organizations and systems directly to something the consumer can use is one shift. The other one I think is from a payer side. And what I mean by that is consumers now are more and more being asked to foot the bill for their own healthcare. Likewise, they're being incented to take care, pay attention to the health of, of themselves as well as their family members. And so that's incentivizing the consumer um, to not only gather that information, which I referenced, but then be a smart consumer in general. Where am I gonna get the best care? Where am I gonna get the best experience? for the best price and ultimately what is the best value for me and my, the needs of myself and my family. So it's that shift of information and then concurrently it's the shift of dollars, both going from previous organizations, large institutions, kind of um, walled gardens, if you will, to the lap of the consumer. And that is always, we're kind of regardless of the industry, uh, that's always a disrupting force. When the, uh, the balance of power shifts, to the consumers themselves. So let's talk about your uh, journey in particular. When you first joined LifeBridge Health, the company was struggling with its brand somewhat. Uh, could you elaborate and share some of the first steps you took toward addressing that challenge? Yeah, it's really interesting to me, uh, again, to come from the outside and look at health here because it's similar to the aggregation you've seen in a lot of industries. So just take General Motors, for example. Several years ago, uh, they financially were on very poor footing. They have the number of brands that they were able to support, and they really aggregated and consolidated. Healthcare is doing the same thing. So it's all about amortizing large investments in facilities, in physicians, in equipment like CAT scans, things like that that cost, you know, six, seven, eight figures to purchase and maintain. So in healthcare, the name of the game is, is growth. Get as much volume as you can to put it through those expensive assets. So we had grown through a series of acquisitions through hospitals, um, traditional hospitals, healthcare systems, as well as expanding the breadth of services we were able to offer from assisted living and hospice care to ambulance services. So whatever the consumer needed within that healthcare kind of continuum, whatever those services may be, that's how we were looking to grow our, and, and broaden our footprint. So we've done a great job financially as an organization to grow, expand that footprint, bring more services to the consumer, but it was really uh, acquisition of a number of different standalone businesses. 
and we hadn't really taken the time to think about how the consumer experience look, looks, uh, how the consumer engages with those services. And when you go as a consumer to find those needed services, what are you actually looking for? Are you looking for the service or are you looking for the brand? So that's one element. The other element was that, you know, with all this acquisition, we had acquired a lot of different cultures, thousands of employees who grew up in one culture or another who didn't quite fully grasp what our mission was. A leadership team understood it through our mission and vision statement. They understood what our plan was three, five, 10 years out, but that hadn't rolled down to the consumers in any kind of meaningful way. So what I came on board, we, you know, we saw lots of employee data, which kind of posted some red flags around, hey, we have some things here we need to pay attention to. Our employees are telling us they don't quite understand the mission. They're not fully bought in. They don't understand why us first or another employer down the street. So we needed to build that connective tissue among our team members, among our institutions, and point them to a broader idea. What is the idea? Why did you get into healthcare? What are we here to do? How are we here to serve the community? versus any number of our competitors around the region. And that's really what the impetus was for why we created uh, a unique brand identity. I love that you started from within. I think a lot of times uh, brands want to get to the messaging and get to what's, what's facing the customer, but, you know, going internally and hearing, you know, what the branding, what the messaging, what the mission, how it was getting even just before it got out the door, obviously was a, a great directional um, assistance in, in, you know, really crafting the right message and crafting the right, you know, experience across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had, if I could, you know, we had, uh, mm-hmm. thankfully, in my role, we had a great story to tell. So Lightbridge Health started with one hospital. It was started because Jewish physicians, Jewish doctors in the Baltimore area didn't have a place to practice. They were barred from a variety of other institutions just because of their ethnicity and their religious beliefs. So they started their own hospital. And that problem-solving characteristic of our organization has continued through to this day, and I call it the red thread. So it started in 1886. And it continues to this day to not let no or other challenges kind of stay in the way of helping and serve our community. And so that was the connective tissue uh, that we built upon. We felt it was really important to tell that story to our team members to make sure they understood we didn't create this out of thin air, like you referenced um, some brands, you know, might do. It was really important for us to understand the authenticity of what we were saying, that we were going to reinvigorate what had gotten us to where we are and reinvest in it for the future because it's what made us great. That's an incredible story. That's such a galvanizing story too. Um, and it's just, uh, for me, it's such a fantastic story with your personal mission and the you know purpose of LifeBridge Health from its uh, inception. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I could see why, why there are some really exciting things happening there. And before we get there, because we're absolutely, we're barreling straight towards some of the incredible things LifeBridge Health is doing right now. Um, but Brian, because you've got this really rich background across um, verticals in the marketing world, 
what are some lessons that healthcare organizations can learn from companies that may be outside of the industry? Uh, that's a fantastic observation, Michael. Uh, there, there are a number of them, but I think fundamentally the kind of biggest one is healthcare is about treating somebody at its core and then discharging them. I think what we're moving to is a better, is a much richer, much deeper understanding of that whole consumer journey. So yes, they want high quality care. They want to be treated um, well and efficiently and get in and out as quickly as possible, really. But all that other communication that happens with that consumer after they're discharged is something that I think healthcare hasn't really seized upon as an opportunity, both an opportunity you know, to gain loyalty, but an opportunity to keep the patient healthier and keep them out of the hospital. So one of our goals is to communicate with any given patient, any prospective patient, a full 12 months out of the year. So if, for example, if you're a cardiology patient, you had a, a mild heart attack, you got discharged and you're on a general regimen of care, why can't we tell you about all of the services we have at our healthcare facility or our gym that we own or our partnerships with the Jewish Community Center um, and get you into those classes to make sure that you're, you're on that path to wellness? Um, there are support groups that we have. There are walks that we do with the American Heart Association. We have one coming up in October. We need to be communicating as retail does and a lot of other businesses do um, 12 months out of the year, not just delivering all sorts of different content, but content that's important to that consumer or what is probably the scariest moment in their life, which is a heart attack. We need to make sure we're talking to them, taking care of them and leveraging all the other resources we have at our fingertips to make their life and, their, and the life of their family better uh, and present that information in an easily digestible, non-jargony kind of way so that they can understand it and take advantage of it. Yeah, and it's so interesting that, you know, the customer journey, it's, it's important everywhere, but I don't know if there's another industry where the entirety of the journey is more crucial than healthcare. And yeah, to your point, not, not a lot of healthcare brands are following through that 24-7-365. Yeah, I mean, healthcare, you, you enter the organization through, the, through your, either your primary care doctor or the emergency department, and then you're discharged, right? The more that we communicate, the more that we talk about people's wellness and keep them out of the hospital, the better job we're doing. It's as simple as that. Yes, and healthcare is, you know, health is holistic, it's 360. Uh, and so I, I just love that, the, the mindset behind that. So LifeBridge Health is fortuit in a fortuitous situation in which it can invest in innovation. I mean, not everybody listening to the podcast right now is in a situation where financially that is actually kind of baked into the brand. Now, can you explain why that's so important to your organization and share some of the examples of uh, innovative initiatives in the past few years? Yeah, so in Maryland, um, we are incented by the organization which regulates hospitals to keep people out of the hospital. So we get reimbursed, is just one example, for taking our efforts and putting them into the community. As an example, so we have a care happens here bus. And so in underserved communities, which typically you know, have very limited access to healthcare, we take that bus and we, we, we give um, shots to kids ahead of the school year. We give checkup for chronic uh, issues such as heart, heart disease or diabetes. 
we've used the bus to give thousands of COVID shots. So it's really, just as an example, it's just taking that care and pushing it into the community where it's most needed and where often um, resources are scarcest. Yeah, and I mean, on, like we've seen very clearly through the, the past year that that is, you know, that's so crucial, especially in moments like this where, you know, a lot of people who may have either been delayed in getting the vaccination or may not yet get it, not necessarily that they don't want it or that they're not sure, it's that not everybody can take a half day to go and get this. So bringing it to the people, you know, that's just one example. But yeah, that is such a uh, often overlooked aspect of the healthcare industry. And that's so cool that you're bringing it to the people where they need it. Well, yeah, and it's, so it's that, uh, it's, you know, giving shots uh, to individuals. It's that kind of direct facing healthcare. The other, uh, some of the other major investments we've made uh, we've partnered with Care First, which is a, a larger um, Blue Cross Blue Shield entity here in, in Maryland and up and down the Mid-Atlantic. We've partnered with them to uh, co-invest in a bio-incubator. So there's a half a floor of a building downtown that is dedicated to just funding and providing both financial support and intellectual support, meaning access to wet labs, access to research, access to patients, um, that allow those startups to really figure out how to get their idea off the ground and how to bring that, in many cases, technology to bear for both our entity as well as the insurance provider, but ultimately for the consumer. And uh, that's an opportunity that, that the innovation the we, that you know, those organizations, those startups haven't had uh, that we're trying to promote. There's that. There's also our Center for Hope, which is or lack of a better term, a violence interrupter. So it deals with trauma, post-trauma training and therapy for families um, and really tries to break the cycle of violence um, in some underserved communities and just families that have experienced abuse. So let's zoom back out to the healthcare industry at large. Um, what are some tech solutions that you see that you think may be used to overcome some of the bigger hurdles that the industry is facing? Uh, some of the ones that we've been experimenting with, uh, that we have some pilots going on with, obviously telehealth is very big, uh, and COVID-19 uh, pushed that directly to the forefront very quickly. So we went from having 500 telehealth appointments uh, during the course of a month to 12,000 pretty much overnight. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a tremendous benefit. It, it guided people along that journey, when, especially when they're, you know, anxiety ridden about COVID-19 in general and getting the vaccine. So uh, that's, that's one that's pretty obvious. The, um, some of the others are remote monitoring um, and remote diagnostics. So rather than uh, somebody with a chronically managed condition like heart disease, or diabetes, or COPD, or some other thing like that, rather than waiting for an episode to impact them, calling an ambulance, coming to the ED, and being treated there, uh, there are uh, platforms and technologies in place that can um, that allow physicians remotely to assess the patient, um, either with the help of EMS or without, treat them on site. Uh, and potentially direct EMS uh, to you know, administer this, that, or the next kind of care directly to the patient in their home, preventing um, you know, an overnight stay, preventing a admission to the ED, 
uh, and getting care, most importantly, to the patient right in where they need it. Yeah, that's, um, that's you know, so paramount, uh, especially in your, your you, you said it earlier, like, the goal is to keep folks out of the hospital and predictive Absolutely. technology with preventative care. That sounds like a, a one-two punch that can go a long way in that. Yeah, and really, you know, as healthcare continues to be an ever larger percentage of employer costs, of personal um, outlays for families and individuals, it's so important that we have all this technology, we can leverage it at the right and the critical points uh, in the journey. Um, it's a win-win. It really is, in the truest sense of the word, a win-win for everybody involved. That's fantastic. Uh, so before we, we pivot a little bit in, in our podcast and get to some questions that we like to, to ask all of our guests, if our listeners want to learn more about what LifeBridge Health is up to and maybe what you're up to, uh, where can they find that? Well, the best place to find it would be uh, at our homepage, uh, lifebridgehealth.org. And there we have uh, a number of postings around articles that we've written or uh, we you know, generally have a fair share of news coverage around some of the more innovative things that we're doing in the marketplace, as well as some of our own clinicians' perspectives on what we're doing and how we're trying to push healthcare out of our four walls as a first step, not as a last step. Mm, love that. Love that. Um, all right, Brian, uh, we ask this uh, of all of our guests. I just like to get as many smart people's opinions on this topic, and you certainly qualify. What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? So, you know, at a very high level, you, you can't understand a problem without having those smart people you just referenced at the table. And if the problem in our case is sometimes it's underserved communities, if you don't have representation from those communities or people who can point you in the right direction, you have very little hope of solving the problem on your first try, right? Um, we need to better understand the things that prevent people from getting their healthcare, um, whatever may be transportation, time, uh, resources, family network, whatever it may be, we need to understand those issues so we can overcome them. Uh, secondly, you know, Healthcare is a super complex topic. There are lots of different variables, lots of different stakeholders, some private, some public. It's a very complex issue. In order to solve something that complex, you have to have a diversity of thoughts sitting at the table, diversity of thought, diversity of experiences. Uh, and frankly, that's why Life Rich Health brought me to the healthcare sector when I had very little healthcare experience. They wanted and needed to understand how to, how to solve some of those complex problems and realize with humility that they may not have had all the answers and then maybe I could bring something from some other experience that would be applicable to their needs and to their needs of their patients. So again, you have to have that diversity of thought and be open with yourself and honest enough with where your organization is to, to reach out to some of those fields you, you may not have experience with uh, or you may not fully understand, but ask them and provide them a seat at the table to really help uh, a group of smart people think through the next steps and to get to a, a real solution that moves the needle. I love it. I love it. And it was. It was a, a bold decision to bring in somebody who, for the most part, had obviously a great grasp on marketing. But, you know, as of the industry, you probably had to do a lot of learning, but it's at least not another echo from the chamber 
Um, and so I just love that. I love that story. And it really does encapsulate how being a little bold, stepping out of your comfort zone can really have uh, uh, results that, that return um, exponentially. And, you know, making a decision like that, whether it's me or anybody else, um, that decision also comes with cost. It's not all upside. I mean, I, I didn't understand healthcare. I didn't understand some of the nuances or just the general flow of business, but what I, beyond what I experienced as a consumer. So for an organization to take that kind of risk and, and knowing that there's going to be some downside, uh, but they're betting on the positive upside, yeah, it's a real testament to uh, the leadership of any organization which chooses to do that. Mm -hmm. And I love that you brought that in because that's a big thing that comes up a lot is like, yeah, this is work. This is going to be doing the work. This is not the easy way. If it was the easy way, everybody would be doing it. Um, and it, that comes up a lot of like, well, you know, we don't have a diverse uh, list of candidates for this position. We'll find them. You know, if you want an outside um, person, you need to train them up in what they need to know inside. Um, so yeah, really putting, uh, your money and your effort where your mouth is. Um, and like you said, it's a little bit of a risk, but I think the long term is where you're going to see the reward. You know, and it's, and it's true in, at least in my experience, um, in any business which takes leaps forward, they often find the insight that they need from reaching outside their own organization or own industry. There are lots of examples of business outside of healthcare where you combine, let's say, a Wozniak with a Steve Jobs, two very different personalities, which brings something different to the table. And then you get uh, a wholesale set function forward, right? Uh, and, and on a much smaller level, I think that uh, is what's happening in healthcare with the advent of marketing. We ask everybody this. I typically, I used to call it the question of doom, but some folks, they just know what they like. So I'm just going to serve the question up to you, Brian. Are you ready? Uh, I, I hope so. Yeah, Michael. <laughs> Brian Deffa, CMO of LifeBridge Health. What is your favorite album of all time and why? Um, I would have to say being a Gen Xer and a child of the 90s, uh, it, Nirvana's MTV Unplugged in New York City. So Ooh, that's a I, I listen to the album a lot. It's got uh, it's got it, it's got the rawness that comes with like an acoustic set, uh, and you hear the voices, and then you know in between songs you hear the interaction with the crowd. And it kind of gives you a real personality of of the band uh, themselves. And so uh, there are lots of elements that I like about it. But there you go. Oh, that's such a good answer, man. That just reminded me of how incredible uh that entire series was That's, you're gonna go listen to it right now aren't you after this podcast. absolutely i'm gonna literally listen to that unplugged and then the jay-z unplugged which is one of my top five favorite albums of all time there you go. um so yeah uh, so we're definitely simpatico on that so let's bring it up to the present. Uh, what are you listening to now? Be it a song, an artist, a podcast, maybe you're reading a great book, and why? So um, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, my son is 17 now, and he's a high school senior. And so I try and say, uh, I try and say in the know a little bit. And he, mm -hmm. he and I are listening to um, Kanye West, his new album, Donda, which had lots of like fake releases and, and dates that were missed, but it's finally out. Um, and so he and I have been listening to that together. 
what are your thoughts? What are your early thoughts on Donda? Um, it's it's definitely an artistic album. It's a little a little odd in places, <laughs> but there there are a couple songs um, that I really like. Um, and so you know, it's it's starting to grow on me. It's a little bit like sushi. You got you, once you understand it, then you can enjoy it. So that's an actually really great comparison. Uh, and I hear he's going to keep re- releasing new versions with new mixes. So maybe it'll grow on you in that way. But Brian, thank you so, so much for joining us on the Marketing Futures podcast. This was such uh, an informational and educational episode. And I just really appreciate you being a guest on the pod. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.